Greetings, dear congregant. It's Pastor Andrew with a quick announcement just for you. The Story Must Be Told will always remain on all podcast platforms. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Wherever you find its gooey message true, it will be there. And we have so many exciting things coming to you in the next couple weeks, including a story symbol pin, a crow crow a coffee mug, plum plump, ooh, and a Patreon so fresh. Thank you, dear congregant, for your continued devotion to the story on the last podcast network. Plump on it. Before we begin today's service, I just want to assure you, the rumors are true! There is a fox loose in the church. It is not a dog. Heck, we've had dogs in the church before. No, this is most definitely a fox. The fox is not friendly. The fox is confused, easily frightened, and very hungry. So, <laughs> The story must be told. The story must be told. Today, after some consideration and against our better judgment, we have decided to let our groundskeeper, Devin, read us a psalm. He is, well, excited, but also very nervous. Be kind to him. Devin, please uh, approach the pulpit. Thank you, Brother Reed. This is a psalm from, um, the, the big book. Doogie had four homes, over two states and a beach, and in each home a shower. This is an account of each. His first shower had black mold, which the super painted, which the super painted over. Doogie watched it grow each and every shower. The second shower was clean, but whenever a toilet drained, um, a, a toilet drained, the water began to boil and filled him with All right, all right. Sorry to interrupt, Devin. Hey, I already made an announcement about the fox. Really don't want to deal with it anymore. It's biting me! Yeah, I told you it was hungry. Listen. It's already inside, so we can't do anything. What, you want me to ban foxes? Do you know how ridiculous it sounds? Sorry. Thank you. Please, this is definitely the kind of problem you can just ignore. Devin. Thanks, Brother Reed. Um, sorry. Let me see. I lost my place. Um, okay, so... Okay, that's it. Devin, go ahead and take your seat. Listen, I hate to get all mean daddy on you, but that was so disrespectful. Listen, I want to have a story today, but if all you're going to do is whine about fox attacks, well, I can just have Pastor Andrew take this story home. Is that what you want? All right. And what do we say to Devin? Sorry. That's better. 
Sorry, Devin, we can try again another week. Now, Pastor Andrew will read the story, and I better not hear another peep, got it? Or I'll turn this whole diocese around. Huh, cuss, huh, cheese. Maps of the North by Don't Grab Jonathan. With one hand on the steering wheel and one eye on the road, Bobby rummaged through the passenger seat footwell for a lighter, rooting through empty Tim Hortons coffee cups, killed cigarette packs, and spent fast food wrappers. The 360 panoramic camera mounted on the roof of his truck poked above his vessel like a foremast on an explorer's ship that mapped northern Canada a century and change before him. Bobby had saved his wages after reading about a tech company's initiative to photograph, GPS map, and digitize every road on planet Earth. Over shaky Wi-Fi in his aunt's basement, he found knockoff electronics on eBay and ordered a nice digital Bluetooth camera from Amazon. He talked an alcoholic high school buddy into selling him a third-hand Ford Bronco for $300 and paid a welder $100, a case of beer, and three Percocets to mount and weld a tripod to the roof of his truck. Bobby filled out his application, fibbing about having the required gadgets he'd substituted with Chinese counterfeits, then fibbed a little more about not having a criminal record from a years-ago incident in Edmonton he'd rather forget. After a quick video interview over low bandwidth, a mustachioed hiring support specialist told him he got the job. The morning he left, his aunt was waiting for him at the kitchen table. She had a black case in front of her, next to a steaming cup of coffee. She flipped it open, revealing a Smith & Wesson 66 classic. Be careful. Wild West out there, she said. He finally found his lighter in the center console of his truck and lit up a bent cigarette. He was 700 kilometers northwest of Yellowknife when headlights poked out of the darkness behind him in the distance. It was the first car Bobby had seen in days. He checked his speed and cursed the Bronco's struggling heater. He looked in the rear view. The headlights behind him had come closer, along with the shrill blast of a car horn. It approached with Doppler intensity from a low whine to an ear-splitting blast as the driver came up to Bobby's back bumper. The truck swerved around the side of the Bronco. The driver insanely flailed his hands, communicating something to Bobby that he did not understand. Bobby opened the window and stuck out his hand, motioning for the truck to go around him. The truck did not cease. Bobby reached for his phone to activate the road mapping camera on top of his Bronco to try to capture a license plate number if an incident did occur. However, the video relay mounted on his dash showed only the road in front of him as it recorded. The lens that faced backwards had frozen over. The crazed driver finally tapped Bobby's bumper, sending him into a skid. His truck went perpendicular to the road and nearly flipped as Bobby tried to correct the spin. He got the swerving Bronco under control as the wild truck sped around him, got a good 100 meters ahead, and screeched to a stop. Bobby screamed and pumped the brakes, manhandling the steering wheel as he came to a smoking halt. Bobby panted and put his hands on the dashboard, blood pounding in his ears. His head swam as he tried to catch his breath. He came to his senses as the driver got out of his truck. He took his time getting out. The man was 6'5", in a puffy green parka with no hat. Steam wafted from his bald head like heat waves. 
He crossed his arms and gave Bobby a satisfied sneer, and stood for some time. He shook his head as if agreeing to an internal conversation, reached into his truck, and brought out a bolt-action hunting rifle. He rested the barrel against his shoulder like a toy soldier, and slowly but cheerfully walked towards Bobby. Bobby's thoughts raced as he considered his next move. He was only five meters behind the truck ahead of him, so pulling forward wasn't an option. He couldn't back out. The lunatic would have a clear shot if he opened fire. Bobby discreetly reached into the center console and gripped the handgun gifted by his aunt. He flipped the safety off and tucked the weapon into his snow pants as the stranger approached the driver's side window. Heart thumping, Bobby rolled down the window for the grinning madman. The man stuck his head halfway into the car and looked around, inspecting it like a police officer. He leaned his head back and tapped his rifle against his shoulder with a strangely friendly smile. The stranger had a rough, prematurely wrinkled face, a swollen nose and gray skin from cigarettes and alcohol. His breath rotten and sweet with the smell of liquor. His lip was freshly split and his left eye was swollen shut. It looked like he'd just been on the losing end of a bar fight. Do we have a problem, buddy? The man asked, slightly slurring. Bobby squeezed the Smith & Wesson's handle. No, sir. No problems, Bobby responded, voice shaking as if answering a cop. You know, you got a very similar truck to a guy who gave me a problem tonight. And I've been looking for him because I don't like him. And now I'm starting to not like you, since you're giving me the hi-hat. I'm thinking we might have a problem on our hands, the man smiled. This is just a misunderstanding, Bobby replied. The stranger grinned. (laughs) Well, if it was just a misunderstanding, I'll go ahead and let you apologize. Then we can go on our merry way. Silence hung between them. Bobby's eyes burned, his anger quickly rising. I'm not apologizing for something I didn't do, Bobby blurted. He gasped inwardly, regretting his response. But the man just smiled and breathed hard, steam coming from his nose like a bull. His good eye twinkled as he cleared his throat. (laughs) Well, that's the real shame, he laughed. He winked at Bobby and headed back to his own truck. He took his time with a queer spring in his step. The stranger walked to his door, turned back to Bobby, swung down his rifle, and shot him hit. Bobby dove out of the way as the windshield shattered. In one motion, Bobby opened the door for cover and crouched. The stranger approached him, pulling the bolt handle back, springing the smoking cartridge into the air. He locked the next round into place as Bobby popped up, took aim fired. The man stopped dead and dropped his rifle. It clanged on the ground as he took a small step into the full intensity of the Bronco's headlights. He looked surprised, frozen in time. His gray face went white. An arterial spurt shot across the road from his neck. The stranger clasped his hand around the wound and stumbled towards Bobby, exhaling weirdly as blood bubbled around his exploded windpipe. He managed a few more steps, then fell forward, bouncing his head off the Bronco's grill. The man twitched a few times on the pavement and expired. Bobby stood in place, shaking. In a daze, he reached into the center console of his truck and took out a cigarette. 
He lit it and let it burn without inhaling. Bobby remained motionless as his cigarette flamed out. His senses slowly returned to him as he inched towards the stranger's body, carefully, as if the man would pop up and attack. But the stranger was stone dead. The side of his neck looked like it had been clawed out by a bear. It was ripped to shreds. Severed tendons were tangled with flesh and dark yellow fat. Steam rose from his mortal injury. Bobby rolled the man over and patted the stranger's back pocket for a wallet, searching for identification, but found nothing. He rolled the body back over, and a pool of blood drained from his neck. Bobby unzipped the man's coat and spread it open when his eyes caught a reflection. Bobby was overwhelmed with goosebumps. The air sucked out of his lungs. On the man's belt was a badge. Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Bobby sat back on his heels. He began sweating despite the cold. Blood began to freeze around the man's body. He sat in front of the dead Mountie for some time, unblinking. His mind blank as lights slowly crept up on the scene. Bobby turned as a car approached, its brakes squeaking to a crescendo as it rolled to a stop a few yards behind the Bronco. The driver got out and stood against the inside of his door, casually resting his elbow on the hood. Bobby raised his hand to shield his face from the light. Geez, buddy, everything okay here? The man asked with a dry rattle in his voice. The man's eyes were sunken in and his cheeks hollow. He had sick, wispy blonde hair and scabs across his face. The driver looked back at Bobby with his mouth agape, revealing yellowed and rotting teeth. He had some manner of drug problem, but his eyes looked normal and he appeared sober. Oh, oh yeah, oh, don't even sweat it. Go ahead and go around. I hit an elk, nearly came right through the windshield, limped off in the dark, Bobby stammered. The driver raised an eyebrow. No? Couldn't have been an elk, the driver called out. Bobby froze. Got moose out here, not elk. Bobby stared blankly. The driver shook his head. Heh, sorry. Probably not the best time to be splitting hairs. Is your buddy up there giving you a hand? The man asked. Bobby realized the dead stranger's body was hidden from view. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, he's, he's calling for help right now. We're all set here, thanks, just uh... Just inspecting the damage. (laughs) No harm done, but it looks like I've got a cold ride to Wrigley. (laughs) The driver looked puzzled. He's got a signal out here? I don't have a bar of service out here. It's a wasteland, the man said. No no worries. No worries. He's got a a sat phone. He's a hunter, Bobby stammered. Well, geez, talk about lemons out of lemonade, the driver laughed. (laughs) Yeah, well, why don't you get moving along? Don't want you to freeze, Bobby said, but it came out too forcefully. The man gave Bobby an odd look. The dead federal agent stiffened from the cold. Bobby swallowed hard and prepared to shoot. He needed to escape. What harm would another dead body be? Snow flurries spun around their silence. Finally, the driver spoke. Well, I'll leave you to be. Don't drive out there without a windshield guy. You'll freeze to death. Ask your buddy there for a ride. Yeah, you got it, Bobby exhaled. The driver waited a moment too long, then called out. Holler if you need anything. Bobby stared back, a little bewildered. The man looked embarrassed at his awkward turn of phrase. Happy trails, the driver said, trying to recover. He got into his car and pulled around Bobby slowly. Bobby sidestepped to hide the body when the driver came to a stop a few feet in front of him. 
He sat there for a moment and got out again. Is that your rifle on the ground there? The man asked. Bobby's heart leapt to his throat. No worries, I got you, said the man. He got out and slowly jogged around the front of his car. Try to get that moose, eh? Well, don't go shooting in the dark. You might hurt me. Bobby shot his handgun into the air before the driver could pick up the rifle. The man stopped and slowly raised his hands. He looked down and saw the body on the pavement. Oh, jeez, the man whispered. Bobby kept the gun aimed at the man's chest. Look, buddy, I, I didn't see anything, the man stammered. I don't want to get in a jackpot here. You're already in a jackpot, Bobby replied coldly. Bobby surprised himself with his baleful tone. He kept the gun level. The man started crying, panicked, tears. Oh, saying so, Jesus. Please, sir, don't shoot me. I can't die out here, not in all this dark. Don't kill me. The man looked to the sky, nearly weeping. Relax, commanded Bobby. Nor did the man cease his praying. Oh, Virgin Mary, I'll be good. I'll be good. Oh, please, Virgin Mary. He pleaded to the night sky. That's enough, shouted Bobby. I've been bad, but this man is no judge. Stop, cried Bobby. Oh, Jesus, Joseph, this man is no judge. Bobby fired a shot over the tweaker's head. The man dropped to the ground for cover. Bobby kept his gun drawn as he walked to the front of the man's car and fired a shot into the hood. Steam hissed out of the grill, and the engine clunked to a stop. The tweaker covered his head and shook on the pavement, screaming. Bobby shot out the front tire of the Mountie's truck, reached in, and took the keys out of the ignition. He threw the keys into the darkness as the man prayed the Hail Mary on the ground. Bobby picked up the rifle and swung it out into the dark. If you get up, you're dead, Bobby warned, aiming his gun. He felt alien, as if he'd been taken over by someone else, like he was watching a maniac in a movie. He quietly opened the revolver cylinder, took out the final round, and slipped it into his pocket. He walked to the tweaker's car and placed the gun in the driver's seat. Don't you dare look up, Bobby said, pointing his fingers at the man like a child pantomiming a gun. The man mumbled prayers on the ground. Count to 1,000, he commanded. If I decide to turn around and catch you not counting, I'll shoot you in the back. Do you understand? The man nodded and began whispering numbers. Bobby got into his idling Bronco. He pulled his coat collar up to his cheeks, but he felt neither cold nor hot. He felt sick. His mind was empty, like a radio signal, just out of range. Freezing air blew in through the shattered windshield as he traveled north, following the Mackenzie River to Wrigley and leaving the praying man to die. Holy Jesus, a man growled. Bobby jolted awake. He struggled to breathe against the cold. Pulled muscles ached in his chest and back. His eyes adjusted to the daylight, and he saw a man in a puffy parka looking into the driver's side window. The man went to the front of the truck and stuck his head through the missing windshield. How long were you out here in the cold? Are you fucking insane? The man was about 6'5", bundled up to his neck. He had a flat nose and mean eyes set below a Carhartt took. Gordon's collision repair rusted in block letters above the garage on the other side of the parking lot. Bobby rolled down the window. Hit an elk last night, or, or early in the morning, I guess. Southie here. Drove without a windshield. The man scrunched up his forehead, confused. 
I don't think so, he responded. Bobby's heart skipped. We got moose up here, not elk, he said. Oh, yeah, oh, that's right, Bobby said, relieved. The man smiled. Well, follow me and warm yourself up. I'll tell you right now, this ain't gonna be cheap, the man grunted. And I can tell you, I never seen a moose accident like that. Usually the whole hood folds up. Not my business. Give me your keys, we'll pull the truck up once we get situated. Bobby handed them off. The man turned for the office, and Bobby followed. What's that in your truck? You building a spaceship? (laughs) The man coughed. (laughs) No, it's a camera. Hooks right up to a computer or TV. It takes pictures of the roads. Sends data up to satellites so people can download maps on the internet. Too good for paper maps? The man scowled. He put a key in the door, but it was unlocked. A stony-faced, strongly-built older woman was in the office, pouring coffee from a dirty carafe into a Garfield mug. Yearly, he barked. She huffed without looking up. Already got a customer. Says he hit an elk, the man said. We got moose up here, she said flatly. That's what I said. He hacked into his arm. <clears throat> Out of towner. Drove all the way here without a windshield. He waited for a response, nor did she respond. Okay, let's get you settled here. Uh... The man paused for Bobby's name. Bobby. Are you Gordon from the sign? No. Gordon is my dad. I'm you. This is my sister-in-law, Camille. Her husband, my brother... Uh, He's a Gordon, too. A cop. A drunk cop who doesn't come home at night. Camille looked up, revealing dark eyes. Hugh sneered. A tense silence hung between them. Mr. Bobby here works for the internet. Takes pictures of Rose and sends him up into space. Hugh turned to Bobby. Camille loves gadgets, don't you, Camille? She can make a computer out of (laughs) tinfoil. Camille grimaced. It's gonna take a while. It would take a bit to conduct the evaluation. Head across the street and get some waffles. They taste like shit, but it's the only restaurant 500 kilometers. Hugh stared at him blankly, waiting for him to leave. (laughs) See you soon, then, stammered Bobby. Hugh looked at Bobby suspiciously. Is something going on, buddy? A gust of cold air blew into the office. A man and a woman in official, identical black parkas and black caps entered. There were patches on their right biceps. Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Bobby turned to Camille and Hugh. Their eyes were wide. Hugh's face turned gray. The officers removed their hats. An ominous atmosphere hung over the office. Camille, I'm so sorry, the woman began. Camille clutched her Garfield mug to her chest and slowly sat on the floor. Hugh was stunned. We found Gordon, south of here. Camille, he... He got shot. Camille wailed insanely. I think we got our guy, but Camille... He's gone. I'm sorry. The officer bent down to hug Camille, but she batted her away. Hugh fumed. Tears fell down his cheeks and he cleared his throat. Oh, I'll kill him. I'll kill him. Hugh croaked. He looked possessed, even meaner. You better lock him up or else I'm going to kill him. You'll see exactly what kind of man I am. The male officer nodded for Bobby to exit. He quickly obliged. Bobby cantered to his truck. He got to the door and reached into his pocket. His hand hit cold metal. He pulled it out. It was the bullet. 
Sweat poured down Bobby's back as he shoved the bullet into his pocket. He patted his other leg in his coat, but he could not find his keys. Hugh had them. Blood drained from Bobby's face. He was in the frozen ass end of the world with nowhere to run. He considered his options. He had none. So he walked across the street and into the diner as Camille's cries echoed out of the office. Cold waffles swelled with butter and syrup on the plate before Bobby. His mind replayed visions of the tweaker on the ground with his hands over the back of his head, counting. He should have just shot him out of mercy, instead of leaving him out there to freeze and die. He felt detached, like he was wearing a false man's skin. Bobby tried to convince himself that he was in the clear. The Mounties had no reason to believe he had anything to do with anything. He hit a moose. He drove in the cold. He never said where he was or where he came from just south. He came from the south, that's it. His head swam as two figures approached the table. Hi there, I'm Constable McLennan. Saw you back in the shop. This is Constable Wilson. Mind if we take a seat? Bobby shook back to reality. The two Mounties stood above him with kind but sad smiles. Bobby opened his mouth to respond when they took a seat. Oh, talk about a day from hell, said Wilson. She put her elbows on the table and rubbed her temples. I'm sorry for what happened, or, or whatever happened, Bobby stumbled. McLennan gave him a considerate smile. Poor Camille, I feel bad for. Gordon had his fair share of troubles, was in a bit of a rough patch, but no one deserves to go like he did. She's a nice girl, it's not fair. A waitress approached and asked if the officers wanted coffee. They declined. Bobby tapped the table nervously. Oh, a real shame, a real shame. Is there any way I can help? Asked Bobby, trying to keep his voice calm. Hugh said you hit a moose. Tough break. When you were coming up from the south, did you happen to see anything? Mm. No, it was it was really dark. Just, um, just that moose, I guess. You know, you're lucky to be alive. McLennan cut in. You could have gotten killed. Do you remember when exactly you hit it? When you were on the road or where? asked Wilson. Hmm. No, I really don't. Sorry, didn't have a phone signal. It's a wasteland out there. The constables looked at the table, exhausted. But you said you think you find your guy, Bobby asked quickly. McLennan and Wilson looked up. McLennan bit his lower lip. Found him high as a kite on the side of the highway, shivering in his car. He had enough meth in his glove compartment to kill a horse, so that kept him warm enough. Pretty frostbit, raving. Swears he didn't do it. But the gun in his front seat sure contradicts that little tale, said McLennan. A sense of warm calm washed over Bobby. He felt despicable, monstrous. But he wasn't going to jail. They sat in silence. Wilson sighed. Well, your waffles are getting cold, said McLennan, standing up. I don't want to cause you any more trouble. Thanks for the help. He pulled his hat over his head. By the way, that gizmo on the top of your truck, you mentioned it. Wilson said. That doesn't happen to take pictures, does it? No, Bobby responded too quickly. Weather, it, <laughs> weather, it maps the weather, sends data to a satellite, no pictures. Wilson frowned. Dang, I was hoping it might have picked something up. Well, Hugh said he and Camille were going to take a look at it, so... You might want to hop over there before he breaks it. 
We tried to stop him, but we couldn't talk him down. Sorry, McLennan said. Bobby's face burned and his hands went cold because the camera did pick something up. Bobby had turned it on to catch Gordon's plate and he forgot to turn it off. Well, holler if you need anything. Happy trails, said McLennan. Blood pounded in Bobby's ears. He sat in the booth until the Mounties drove off. He dropped $20 on the table and rushed across the street. His Bronco had been moved out of the parking lot. He saw it in the garage. The tripod was bent at a weird angle and the camera was missing. Bobby's vision tunneled. He was carless and the nearest town was four hours away. After standing stupidly in front of the garage, he made a decision. His best bet was to get his keys off Hugh by any means necessary and make a break for it. Against every shred of instinct, he headed for the office. The door jingled open. The lights were on, but the office was empty. The dirty Mr. Coffee Machine gurgled. Bobby crept to the front desk and opened every drawer. Neither could he find his keys. He got eye level with the carpet, but they were not on the ground. He stood and brushed himself off. He looked around with his hands akimbo and stared at the front door. He could still escape. He could still sneak off and figure it out as he went along. Instead, he opened the door that led to the garage. The overhead lights were off, but a faint glow trickled underneath the few cars in the garage. Bobby followed it, his heart pounding in his throat. The high-pitched electric whine of a television got louder as he approached. In the back of the shop, Camille sat in front of a television. Red, yellow, and white RCA cords wired his camera to the TV. He watched himself shoot the tweaker's hood and blow out Gordon's tire. On the recording, he reached into the truck, pulled out the keys, and threw them into the distance. He crept backwards towards the door when he hit a soft body. Bobby turned as Hugh swung a toolbox against the side of his face. A nanosecond of dull pain exploded through his head before he fell unconscious onto the oil-stained concrete. Bobby came to, his teeth chattering. One eye was swollen shut, and his good eye swirled with double vision. He was in a t-shirt and boxers with no shoes on. He struggled to move, but his chest, wrists, legs, and ankles were wrapped up in zip ties. Hugh was in the driver's seat, bundled up in snowmobile gear, wearing orange goggles that took up half his face. He came to a stop, turned up the ignition, and got out of the Bronco. Bobby's shirt was bloodstained. His mouth was slick and stank of motor oil. His insides felt like they'd been poisoned. His stomach and throat burned. He looked at his hands, and frostbite had begun to set in on the tips of his fingers. The passenger door opened, and Hugh roughly pulled him out, bouncing his head off the icy pavement. Bobby groaned desperately, but was muffled by duct tape. He tried to scream, but only managed a pathetic whine. He moaned until Hugh's steel toe boot hit the side of his head, knocking him out once more. Bobby woke up on his back in the snow. It was night, but the moon illuminated the desolate expanse around him. The zip ties had been cut, and he had free movement short of his duct-taped lips. Something hard like a rock was in his mouth, and he was terrified he'd choke. He rose his frostbitten hands to pull off the tape, the tips of his fingers cracking and oozing already gangrenous blood. He ripped off the tape and spat into the snow. He wiped away the bloody spit, and the bullet he saved twinkled in the moonlight. He cried out. There were no trees to echo back his voice. His legs were too frozen to move, and his heart beat oddly in unpredictable bursts. He started to get short of breath and laid down in the snow. He didn't even feel cold. He stared at the stars. 
A tiny light blinked as it moved across the sky. It was a satellite. He followed it as it disappeared into the darkness. The story must be told. Everyone, I have to say I am very proud of all of you. I, I didn't think you'd have the control to endure the sharp bites of a feral animal as silently as you have. But you all proved me wrong. Bravo, bravo, congregation. Heck, that fox is still going at it. Yeah, you're so quiet, I can actually hear it crunch the bones. Who has the fox now? Raise your hand. Oh my! <laughs> Everyone, it's Lil Candy Cowherd. Give her a round of applause. Wowie. You see, that here is the power of the story. It can teach all of us, even six-year-old children, how to be utterly obedient in the face of pain. I would reassure you the fox will be gone by next time, but... I don't think I have to. As far as I'm concerned, we've already solved the problem. Have a good night, sweethearts. Ooh, sweet, sweet, heart, heart. That was The Story Must Be Told, and this is the story of two hawks falling in love. We are greasy and gracious to be hosted on the last podcast network. Hawk, 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 said one hawk. Hawkaroo, said the other. Oh, so flirty. Ooh, Patreon coming in early December. But first, the hawks go on a date. Ooh, we have some special tiers for you. Perhaps even extra bonus content. And after these hawks talked and had a couple hawk beers, they decided they're both responsible enough hawks to learn about each other's cloacas. Yeah, bumping bird donuts. Details about the Patreon will be coming shortly, so stay tuned. And I know I'm a hawk, but I feel like I'm falcon, you a child and being it, totally alone are, makes some people feel bad for people you. People feel bad for him. <laughs> As a character, maybe they hope you have some kind of win? I don't get it. He'll yeah. never get one. He can't. This story must be told. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. <laughs>